Well, welcome to Lab Life with the Air Force Research Laboratory. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Kenneth. Today we are joined by Mr. Daryl Phillipson, the Vice Director of AFRL's Human Performance Wing. He's gone from tightening bolts on nuclear missiles to finding advantages for battlefield airmen. In three, two, one. Mr. Phillipson, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us kind of how you got to this point and what led you here? Yeah, this is a, a great organization to be a part of. Um, I'll tell you more about that later, but how did I get here? Kind of a, kind of a crazy path and I'll try to go, go through quick. Uh, but uh, I started out enlisted uh, when I uh, graduated from high school. Never really considered going to college at all, to be honest. Maybe a, a non-traditional path is what you'll hear is, uh, but I worked on uh, nuclear missiles, on peacekeeper missiles uh, for a couple of years for the Air Force. And then uh, they ended up sending me to the Air Force Academy and then on to get my master's at Arizona State before I landed for my first officer job in the lab. So I was in uh, directed energy. At the time, it was part of Phillips Lab uh, down at Kirtland Air Force Base, and now it's AFRL-DE. Um, while I was there, I worked a lot on uh, advanced optics and imaging, space situational awareness, kind of satellite vulnerability analysis, mostly uh, uh, space technologies, even though I was in the directed energy uh, directorate. After that, um, I had a change of life as my, my family needed my help and I got out of the Air Force uh, to care for my dad for a little while and uh, went out into the contractor community. Moved to Phoenix, Arizona, worked for Spectrum Astro, a really small business building satellites, but still serving the Air Force in that capacity. And after working that for a few years, I took a departure, maybe a midlife crisis, jumped away from uh, engineering altogether which at that time in my life, I think a few people were scratching their head on what was happening there, but did some uh, financial planning. That ended up kind of being a, a changer, a turner in my life that, that probably led me, led me here. And, uh, but after about a year, I realized that uh, financial planning wasn't quite what I was thinking. Uh, it did teach me some things, but I wanted to get back into uh, working the technologies and working with the Air Force. So I started working for Lockheed Martin for a few years, eventually coming in back in as a civilian doing a portfolio uh, management, bringing in the financial aspect, the uh, industry experience, and uh, my engineering background. And then uh, I've been here since about 2007, been in uh, headquarters AFRL, headquarters AFMC, uh, ran our research computing and collaboration directorate for the lab, and then here in the 7-Eleventh. So you've had quite the storied career. Yeah. Kind of breaking that apart a bit then, um, what would you say back when you were enlisted? What is kind of the biggest takeaway you had working with the Air Force? Yeah, that was an inter interesting time, you know, because you don't have the sight picture uh, that, that I do now, obviously. Uh, but really having the background and be able to look back and understand what, what it really takes for the airmen to go out in the field and, uh, and, and pull a day working on, in my, in my case, the Peacekeeper missiles. So anything that we can do now that, that looks at that whole chain of what an airman has to do and optimizes that, that airman's not only individual performance, but the whole efficiency of that job. It'd be six hours driving out to a site and six hours back, three hours to get down into the, into the site, three hours to back out, so all the time adds up. So anything that we can do, especially from the 7-Eleventh perspective, to look at that whole, that whole uh, airman's job and look at optimizing uh, the airman's time. Yeah, no, that's a big thing here with the 7-Eleventh is what its name is, human performance. So you say that background really has shown you because you've lived it, how to not only make it more efficient, but how to make sure you monitor the airmen to ensure they have that mental acuteness and ensure that they are in a healthy state while they work. I value 
my background and actually having having sat there and, and turned the wrench. And uh, a lot of times, I think we we uh, we don't get a chance to work with our operators enough to understand that. So just having even that little bit of background in history uh, myself, I think helps me helps me bring that perspective in. And going to the next stage then, when you became more of a financial planner, you mentioned, and even working with uh, Lockheed Martin with portfolio management, how has that helped your job now from that aspect of your career? Yeah, I mean, that was, like I said, the uh, midlife crisis that paid off, right? Um, <laughs> I guess uh, probably had I not taken a, a departure there, um, I was doing well and, and loving uh, a, a more pure engineering and program management. But it really uh, kind of broadened me out where I looked across all the Lockheed Martin programs, started looking at all proposals across the engineering volume and the cost volume, because now I had that kind of that inkling or that understanding of the financial side. And it kind of it helped elevate my, my view or, my, or increase my sight picture of how uh, small businesses, large businesses, organizations such as 7-Elevens operate. And I think that's what kind of turned turn the, the tide for me and, and helps me in my current job. And with all those in mind then, would you say there's any, uh, you kind of touched on a few, but specific skill sets or maybe just one that you really pull from the most? For the 7-Eleventh, my specific skill set is not medical, which uh, surprises a lot of people. Uh, you heard my background and uh, you're not going to see that I have a great uh, medical background. However, with the engineering and acquisition background, it's just a great mix. The way they've set it up here at the 7-Eleventh is our commander is always from the medical community. So it, it makes a great coupling there. It's hard to put your, put your finger on like a specific skill. I kind of step back again and I think that's the skill is the ability to step back. It's to be able to look at the fact that there's no perfect plan. You know, as, as I went through life, I couldn't have mapped this career path. I couldn't map my, my each individual job or, or my life path, but be able to, to step back and kind of like stay true to some things like work hard and do the right thing could not have mapped out the path, but wherever you are, you know, you're, you work hard, do the right thing, be prepared and be willing to, to accept opportunity when it comes along. And it's amazing what, what the Air Force has been able, been able to do for me and what you can do for the Air Force by following a couple of principles. And I think those are the things that I kind of hold on to. You mentioned some of the unique structure of the human performance wing. So the 7-Eleven human performance wing is part of the Air Force Research Laboratory. Um, what's unique about your mission? What do you provide for our warfighters? We are a one-of-a-kind wing in the Air Force. There is nowhere that brings together the medical, the technology. The, we have around 2,200 people, over 70 different disciplines, everything from every type of engineering to medical to program managers, and to have that all within, all under one hat, all under the research lab, and being able to tie back out to the rest of the research lab and partner with LCMC and our operators. Um, I think that's what we bring to the Air Force, is the ability to solve multi-dimensional, complex problems for the Air Force when they have nowhere else to turn. Things like uh, having unexplained physiological events with our um, pilots, where they're not sure what's going on. You know, people are, um, are, are having, these, that having these events, it's something to do with the body, it's something to do maybe with the oxygen system, they're just not sure where, they, where can they go. The, the wing has the capability to bring all those experts to bear, to, to reach out to industry, to reach out to the operators and, and the acquisition agencies and bring all those disciplines together to solve those complex problems. I think that's, that's what the wing, wing brings to the Air Force.
Are there any other besides the uh, unexplained physiological events that, that, you know, stuff we're working on that really excites you? Yeah, uh, you know, earlier I talked about being in uh, directed energy. So this one uh, is, is one of my favorites just because it harkens to a little bit of my, my background is uh, we have a group down at uh, the Tri-Service Research Lab in Joint Base San Antonio that does directed energy bioeffects. Now they're not the lasers, folks that are designing the lasers, but they're the folks that are looking at what are the effects of those lasers, whether it's used offensively or defensively, if somebody's using it on us, effects to the on the body. You know, everything down to from a molecular to a cellular to tissue to organ to a whole organism. What is the effect of, of those lasers? Uh, a lot of times people think right away just the effect on the eyes for blinding or whatever. And they do that as well, but it's, it's really the effects on the, on the whole body. They're a DOD unique uh, capability. Anybody that's putting lasers out there, whether it's for laser uh, range finders or anything out there in the battle space, goes through this, our lab down there as kind of a clearinghouse to look at what's the performance and what could it do to uh, our troops out there. And with these, are you given the chance to actually, do you visit the labs and kind of get a feel hands-on? Or do you have people more come to you and say, hey, this is what we're working on? I get a lot of the briefings, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I definitely have an opportunity to get out. Get out and see the organizations, see the work uh, that's being done. I've been down there to TSRL. A lot of times I end up on tours with, with everybody else, right? Because we have a, a lot of folks that want to come through and see what AFRL uh, does for the Air Force. Uh, another one of the uh, the interesting technologies is uh, the cranial stimulation, so brain oh. stimulation. I don't know uh, if you all already had a, a talk on this. Did did you do one? Uh, on we've, a... we've had some other researchers for the Seven Eleventh. I know our um, Kevin Schmidt that climbed the mountain to do yeah. some research on cognitive function at altitude in oxygen deprived environments. I know that he's personally had you know hook, hooked up to have his brain stimulated, and he was yeah. even more possibly more energetic than he always is. But. So, so your listeners can listen to that one as well. Yeah. So, and I won't go into it big, but it's just when I started hearing that, I'm like, wow, you know, that's the kind of thing that we're actually looking at. How do you stimulate a nerve that then stimulates the right part of the brain that can do things like, I mean, they've, they've seen like four times improvement in uh, test scores oh, wow. with training following some of the experiments, about 20% enhancement in attention. So you think about, you know, now we're doing the research, but if, if this, you know, kind of pans out, what could we do to truly kind of give our airmen an edge? And, uh, and of course, we want to do that safely, which is, is also what we look at. So the applications of that would say, like, so you maybe had an intel analyst and they're, they're scanning documents or reading or monitor, someone's monitoring your screen, you know, that's very tedious. They're ability to focus and concentrate really impacts someone's safety or our mission. But so it's possible like brain stimulation, if it makes them more alert longer, then you could get better quality or is that yeah. the goal? Some of the applications just like that, maybe right as the operators doing their, their job, but also in the training arena, as we bring through people through training and try to do customized training, is there ways that we can to increase their absorption of new knowledge and, and improve the way we train train our people so that then they can do their job uh, better when they do get deployed. Now, like all the law school students are going to want to... Yeah, give a try at this. <laughs> Help me by test scores. Up, right? <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating. And again, this is something that, have you actually, you've seen this tested hands-on and kind of gotten a feel for I it? I haven't seen any of the actual testing. I've been to the lab. I've seen the equipment. Yeah. Um, reviewed the protocols because <laughs> we do want to make sure that we're, we're being safe and we're watching out for our uh, airmen. 
Absolutely. And, and something we've kind of broached on here, um, mentioning parts of your job, can you kind of give us a day-to-day, -day, like what you see here, if there really is a, a day-to-day -day you can go through? Unfortunately, I don't get into the lab, you know, that much. Uh, a lot of my day-to-day day -to -day is, is very at the strategic level, and it's making sure that I help to bust down barriers and, and find the right funding and uh, do the right messaging so that we can get support for, for the wing to do the right thing for the, for the Air Force. So a lot of interface with, with uh, AFRL headquarters as well as outside organizations and agencies. So you do very much, you said at the larger level, ensure a lot of this research and the work gets done effectively. So you're right. kind of there backing up these researchers. Right, so the wing um, is made up of three mission organizations. So at the wing level, it's really the care and feeding and ensuring that those mission organizations can concentrate on the mission. Mm -hmm. It's uh, phenomenal to be part of an organization and see that work being done and know that you're enabling that and you're providing the top cover and ensuring that that work can continue to get done. And that's in the, the research realm and the education realm, the consultation realm, the application of technology, which we do in some of our human systems integration and, and BOMC work. And so that's what I do kind of day to day. Kind of tying in then to your career and what you do day to day, I know something we kind of talked to you about beforehand is that work-life balance, which has been a very big thing that's come up with a lot of airmen recently, especially this year. Uh, what recommendations or what advice do you have for people that may feel either they're overworked or may need more time to themselves? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Because in any job, you can get very, very uh, wrapped up either through pure passion or stress, and uh, it's, it's hard to find the elusive work-life ba balance. Easy to say the words work-life balance. Well, easy for you. I think I just stumbled trying to say it. But, um, but elusive to find. But I, I think it's critical. You're going to have ups and downs throughout your life, throughout your career, throughout your, your relationships, and, and finding that some type of work-life balance is, is so critical. I have, uh, I have three kids. I've been married for about 18 years, and I've had, as you can hear in my background, uh, several jobs in the last uh, decade or so, and, and definitely could, could find myself being or losing that work-life balance. What, what I found is it's, it's just really important to step back every year or so and, and think the big picture. And I guess I, get, I keep you know, kind of hammering on the big picture because you can get lost in your day-to-day. -day. Personally, I stepped back and I looked, I said, okay, we have three kids separated by age. There's only so many years that all the kids are going to still be in school and be old enough to remember a vacation that works out to about seven or eight years. I got about seven or eight summers to do something, something that the kids are going to remember, something that, that, that brings us together. So about seven years ago, I put the, uh, the vision out for the family that said, we're going to see what the United States has to offer. And that was it. Now, I knew along the way we'd be together as a side product. You know? So side benefit of that, we're going to do it. We're going to do it together. So in the last seven years, we've been to all 50 states in the United States. That is impressive. And about 47 national parks, forests, you know, that type of uh, thing. So wow. huge accomplishment, but that's not something you just go do, but it's the fact that it's been kind of spread over those seven years is what's, what's really made it uh, uh, good for the family and helped me find a bit of balance over the years. Yeah, kind of going into that then, just curious, um, yeah. what would you say some of the coolest places you've seen after seeing really all 50 states? Yeah, I got to be careful, right? If I say the wrong one, <laughs> somebody's like, wait, that's not my state. So I, I, I have a couple of examples. Uh, one, my biggest surprise hands down the whole family it was idaho for some reason i knew nothing about idaho 
I figured we'd go through that state. Oh, by the way, every state we had to do something that was substantial, not yeah. just drive through or fly over. We had to do something. So I thought Idaho, we were going to eat some potatoes. I mean, I didn't know what we were going to do in Idaho. But we got there and, and right at the border, just just beautiful. People, uh, people were uh, diving off this bridge. I don't remember the name of the bridge. Uh, went up into the mountains, uh, rented a little motorboat out on this lake. Idaho was just the, the standout surprise uh, of, of our trips. Just, just beautiful. So the other one is the most awesome random happening. Um, and this is what our family doesn't plan down to the day in every single motel. We just kind of allow the trip to take us where we're going to go. But we had just stayed in Yellowstone National Park, uh, and it was the 3rd of July, or the 4th of July, I'm sorry, when we came out. But we had no plans for what we were going to do that night for the actual 4th of July. And uh, as we were coming out, we stopped for breakfast and talked to a couple that was there. And they said, you know, they, they do something over in Sheridan, uh, Wyoming, that's, that's, you know, a good celebration. And, and that's within a drive. So we went over and the highway was backed up through the whole city. And oh, everybody gosh. was getting off at one place. And it was these huge polo fields. And they had it down to an art. And they just all pulled in those polo fields. Boom, 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 boom. They had multiple uh, live country bands. And I do like country music. And a whole festival atmosphere, the largest, longest fireworks show I'd ever seen over the, with the huge, you know, Wyoming sky in, in the background. So that's my most uh, awesome random happening that's amazing. on a trip. But I mean, you can go through these, you know, every year there was, there was, you know, a bunch of these, of course, 47 national parks. I mean, and, you're going to see a lot. You're going to see a lot. Well, that's wonderful. So, I mean, while maybe like for people starting off now, maybe hitting all 50 states might be ambitious, but you yeah. definitely recommend like have a goal. Yeah, some kind of goal. And again, I, I never said all 50. I mean, that wasn't the goal. It just it happened over the years. Yeah. But just, you know, what do you want to see? You should see the see the world. Maybe that wasn't mine. It was see the United States or maybe just, you know, see beaches or, you know, I don't know, something, but some kind of goal, whatever it is for you. I think it's it's important and it kind of it, it, it puts something out there that helps you focus and, and make sure that you're a, a little bit accountable for a, for a long-term balance. That's wonderful. It's definitely appreciated because, yeah, a lot of people, like I mentioned beforehand, may not even know where to start. So hearing amazing journeys like that, especially going to Idaho, uh, which, funny enough, my dad's been interested in moving there, so I'll tell him it's amazing. Oh, <laughs> so, you it, know? It was. It was incredible. And uh, something else kind of going in more to your personal life, we heard a fun fact that um, you've uh, worn a couple of uniforms throughout your life. Um, that you've gone through BDUs, you got a suit now. Uh, but we've also known you've done a few different uh, uniforms you've worn to the local Dayton community. So if you'd be able to go and kind of elaborate more on that and kind of talk about what you've done uh, here in the area. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I've been here for, since 2007. I didn't grow up here or anything, but uh, I've always looked for what else, something to add to get involved in the community in addition to, uh, in, in addition to the, the work and the, and the family, just to balance that out. And uh, I've always been a big supporter of libraries. Uh, Green County has a great uh, library system, so I started getting in, involved with them and uh, joined the Green County Library Foundation Board. Uh, they're big supporters of child literacy. So a couple of uniforms, if you're ever down at the uh, Bellbrook Parade, you might see Booker the Fox in the parade, and that's me. It has been for the last uh, seven years or so, and, and uh, I don't know, you might see me jumping up and doing the splits, or you, know, <laughs> you won't know it's me. It's kind of like a liberating experience. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a blast. <laughs> I always tell people the funnest thing about doing that is, you know, high-fiving the teenagers and then seeing them later when I'm not in costume and they, and they claim they never would have high-fived, 
you know, Booker <laughs> the Fox, because that's just too embarrassing. But, uh, but that's, that's one outfit. Another one that was kind of cool and related to the base here is uh, Governor DeWine, when he was elected, had an inaugural, his inaugural event at the uh, Air Force Museum. And his wife is also a big supporter of child literacy and was advocating for the Dolly Parton Foundation, which I think she now has expanded statewide. But Greene County is where the Dolly Parton Foundation had started kind of getting a foothold in, um, in Ohio. They provide books to children early in their life. Right? Yeah, yeah, they, they, it's, they sign up and then a child for the first, I think, like five years of their life gets so many, so many books uh, a month. As part of Governor DeWine's uh, inaugural event, the library wrote to the Dolly Parton Foundation and they sent up a couple of uh, costumes. I think you can tell where this is going. <laughs> so uh, I ended up being the very hungry caterpillar. Incredible. And uh, running around the uh, Air Force Museum. One of the funny uh, little things is uh, General McMurray, Lieutenant General McMurray, the commander of the Life Cycle Management Center, and I uh, used to work together. I worked for him when he was the lab commander. So I went up to him and told him who I was so he could hear my voice and he got a kick out of that so we, we did a big high five so General McMurray's given high five to the very hungry caterpillar and I think we were on the front page of the the newspaper maybe not with the high five but but uh we from, have to find from that. that yeah seriously that's a wonderful <laughs> picture yeah so yeah a couple different uniforms that's great well thanks for joining us on the podcast today where we could uh learn about some of the great work uh your team's doing in the human performance wing and some great work you're doing in the community Thank you. Thank you. Make sure to follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube at AF Research Lab. And remember, stay curious. Logging off.